This week in KMA Land, Montgomery County Board backs Pipeline Legal Counsel. More litigation in Page County Wind Turbine Saga. O Avenue issues dominate Page County Board Meeting. Shenandoah Schools prepare for the unthinkable. And Rotarians hear Shen Economic Development Update. I'm Mike Peterson. Montgomery County officials took a step closer to county pipeline regulations by enlisting outside legal assistance this week. By a unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a resolution to enlist the Allers & Cooney law firm to guide the county through the Summit Carbon Pipeline journey. Montgomery County is one of several in western Iowa included in the path of Summit's proposed Midwest Express CO2 pipeline. Attorney Tim Whipple says Allers and Cooney specializes in assisting municipalities tackle various legal situations, including those dealing with pipeline matters. Currently, Shelby, Bremer, and Palo Alto counties have signed engagement letters with the firm. The issue of pipelines is, is one that a lot of counties and cities are grappling with around the state, and, and there's not just one way to handle it. So, you know, we would be here to help you chart a path forward that's specific to Montgomery County and happy to help you do that. Whipple advised the supervisors that the Iowa Utilities Board has a huge role in pipeline-related proceedings. A lot of arguments will be made, um, including about local ordinance in those proceedings. And I guess what I would note is that if you are not participating in the state proceedings, then you may find that the state attempts to override local ordinances and all of the work you might do at the local level might be for naught if the state decides to what's called preempt local ordinances. Whipple, however, says the supervisors must decide whether to live with its current ordinances or provide specific guidelines for the county's board of adjustment regarding pipeline permits. There is, I think, the need to defend the prerogatives of of counties and local governments in the state process to make sure that county permitting is tracked and enforced and respected by the state. When asked whether any local pipeline ordinance is enforceable, Whipple's reply was yes, if done right. Montgomery County Attorney Drew Swanson reiterated advice given at a previous board meeting recommending outside legal counsel on pipeline-related matters. While no action on a proposed ordinance was taken Tuesday morning, Supervisor Donna Robinson urged the board to continue its focus on regulations. More legal moves and counter moves were revealed this week in the continuing Page County legal wind turbine dispute. Court records indicate lawyers representing Shenandoah Hills Wind Project LLC filed a motion to intervene late last month and requested an emergency hearing for that intervention last Thursday in a lawsuit filed by a group of Page County residents against the county and the Board of Supervisors. However, that was quickly followed by resistance against both propositions and an emergency temporary restraining order against the defendants by Shearer Law Office lawyer Sean Shearer, the co-counsel for the plaintiffs in the case. Shearer told KMA News they filed the resistance due to no allegations against Shenandoah Hills or Invenergy, the project developer. Instead, all accusations are directed at government officials. The Board of Supervisors, the county itself, the individual board members, the county attorney, and the county zoning administrator. And all the remedies that we're seeking in the petition is for them to be ordered to comply with the law applicable to county governance. We're not making any allegations uh, that that Shenandoah Hills or Invenergy 
have an interest in. Lawyer Theodore Spohr, who also serves as co-counsel for the resident group, says the emergency restraining order was forced upon them after the board further discussions of the project following the initial court position. Basically, we just want them, the county to stop and everything to be frozen. So when they started acting after the lawsuit was served on them, it became apparent they were not going to be deterred by even the existence of the lawsuit, and and they, that they, their plan was to bulldoze ahead. Additionally, Shearer and Spohr have filed an exhibit with their temporary restraining order against the inventors, including a letter from one of their lawyers. Spohr says the letter is unlike anything he's seen in over 30 years of practicing law. It's a non-party's lawyer, and he's threatening the attorneys in a lawsuit with all kinds of sanctions and complaints and whatnot, he doesn't really say what they are. For example, he says, we know these things to be false, yet our 119-page petition is replete with sites. And he doesn't say how it is we would purportedly know these things are false when we can actually read the minutes of the meetings and we can read the ordinances in Page County and we know they're Spore called the letter legal bullying and said it was a clear intimidation attempt from a third party. Additionally, Spore says the lack of action from the county while Invenergy attempts to become a part of the lawsuit hints at one of the original complaints filed by the residents of an illegal enterprise between some county officials and Invenergy. Why on earth would a non-party engage in such high-pressure tactics to protect an actual party when the actual party has taken no steps whatsoever to protect itself. If Page County thinks this is an improper filing, then Page County should appear in the lawsuit and defend the lawsuit. Shearer says he would expect a hearing on either Invenergy's intervention request or a possible request on the resident group's temporary restraining order within the next week or two. To be continued, in other words. End of project details on a recent road resurfacing project are still raising the ire of at least one Page County resident. Meeting in regular session Tuesday night, the County Board of Supervisors discussed the recent 11-mile, $3.3 million resurfacing project on O Avenue, or M63, with Page County Engineer J.D. King and County Resident Tom Wagoner. Wagoner previously raised red flags regarding three main concerns, one of which started at the very beginning of the project with the cold-in-place recycling process done by a subcontractor back in May, and he critiqued a lack of urgency from the county. I sent emails questioning the improper width of the equipment and the resulting non-uniform depth, width, or placement of the roadway centerline. Supervisor Jacob Holmes concurred with Wagner that Henningsen Construction out of Atlantic, the contractor in the project, needs to follow through on agreed specifications laid out by the county, suggesting the northernmost 300 feet be redone. They saw that when they bid it. I've done work for people. If it doesn't line up with what I said, i got to go back and fix it. Not scab it over and try to fix it. you got to fix it right, especially on something this big. I don't understand why this is so complicated. This is really confusing. Are we scared we're going to upset Henningsons? If I was Henningsons, I'd be upset that this was being brought up all the time. I'd come fix it anyway. 
I want the, the document I signed, I want followed. Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong says he has been satisfied with answers from King on how to address the situation and more information on fixing the north end of the project likely wouldn't come to fruition until Henningsen visits the site within the next two weeks. However, Wagner says a plan which he says is still too vague should be in place well before that. I get the email, well, we might mill wider. I said, what, what width are you talking about? What depth? I ask, are you going to sample so you know exactly? what you need to remove. No answer. Where's the plan? I've asked for the plan. And if you don't have the plan for the contractor gets here, you're putting the cart ahead of the horse. Wagoner further criticized King for a lack of leadership and oversight of the project and encouraged the board not to sweep inaccuracies with the multi-million dollar project under the rug. While Holmes initially made a motion to instruct King to require Henningsen to follow the plan to the letter, the motion died due to no action being listed on the agenda and the board reiterating a consensus from a previous meeting to ensure the repairs are done correctly. Provisions for extra flooding protection for a Fremont County business district are now in place. At its regular meeting Wednesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved the establishment of the Highway 2 Interstate 29 Crossroads Levy District. Supervisors Vice Chair Chris Clark tells KMA News, Local residents petitioned for the levy's district's creation in order to protect businesses along that corridor from flooding similar to that experienced in 2011 and 2019. They petitioned the board and, and they ended up working with the DOT. The DOT actually was part of the petition as well. The DOT is wanting to help keep Highway 2 open between Fremont County and Nebraska City. So in order to do so, they came up with a plan to establish a levy that would protect the, essentially the truck stop area and that economic area there. Mark says the district entails construction of an earthen berm levee around the business district. To tie into the interstate just north of, of the Sat Brothers truck stop and then encompass around that whole area back to the interstate on the south end of that whole corridor. So roughly approximately 200 acres or so of ground that would be protected. There'd also be a little bit of a levee on the east side of the interstate, kind of by the off-ramp. Other provisions are in place to protect retail outlets in that vicinity. From hurricanes in Florida to earthquakes in California to mass shooting incidents in Texas, disasters can strike anywhere. Even Shenandoah is not immune to the unthinkable. That's why the Shenandoah School District joined local law enforcement, fire, and EMS personnel in staging a mock disaster last Friday afternoon. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson tells KMA News students and staff at both the JK-8 building and Shenandoah High School were evacuated in accordance with the district's emergency operations protocol and walked to a rendezvous point at a remote location. We didn't go through all of the steps that we could have gone today. We focused on the one element of we need to evacuate, you know, if there was a, an active shooter, or if there was some kind of event that would require us to evacuate, it was unsafe, we needed to relocate quickly. These are the procedures we would take. And so we focused in on notifying the proper authorities, notifying each other and communicating the steps that would need to take to evacuate all of our Campus. Friday's drill was different from previous exercises in that Shenandoah Police, the Page County Sheriff's Office, the Shenandoah Fire Department, and Shenandoah EMS participated in the drill. The first drill is about teaching kids location and protocol procedures. The second drill is about reinforcing those procedures, but then including the people who would actually be responding in the event of a real emergency. 
While it was only a simulated emergency, Nelson says the situation was intense at times for some students and staff. Our students have responded exceptionally well, but we did have a couple students get emotional, and it's normal that that happens. We had a few staff members that you could see that their anxiety was a little higher than normal, but that's, that's part of the process, and that's why we train, and that's why we need to include those first responders because they're a natural part of the process, and we need their support. Overall, the superintendent says she's pleased with the exercise's outcome. She had school officials and participating agencies plan a debriefing session to evaluate the drill and to determine any changes necessary in the district's emergency procedures. Shenandoah's economic development efforts were the focus of a noontime gathering of Rotarians Tuesday. Rotary International members from districts in two states joined Shenandoah's organization in hearing an update on the community's economic development efforts. It was all part of an Imagine Rotary Tour visiting five communities in Iowa and Nebraska. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen updated attendees on renovation and construction activities in the downtown area, including work on converting the former Howard's Clothing Store location into Midwest Mental Health's new offices. We've got a, ni- a building that's uh, early 1900s that's in the process of getting completely revamped, which will turn into office space for Midwest Mental Health. We're going to see uh, psychiatrists and, and offices in there for their employees. And that took a building that probably would have been tumbling or at least the roof would have been gone by now. And now it's going to be kind of a showcase on that corner. Greg Connell, executive vice president of the Shenandoah Chamber and Industry Association, extolled the virtues of Green Plains' planned bio-campus expansion, featuring a $50 million clean sugar facility producing low-cost dextrose and fructose. Connell says preliminary work of the project is underway. We've broken ground on the, on the clean sugar project. We have two letters of intent from companies right now that are going to locate at the site. So everything is moving you know, incredibly well there with some incredible job opportunities. Connell also lauded Pello Corporation's recent workforce expansion, including 268 new jobs over the past year. Rotarians also received inside of the Johnson Brothers Mill Building renovation project. Margaret Brady, owner of Melosia LLC, says work continues on converting the former feed mill facility into a warehouse and workshop to store rescued building materials, including 12,000 square feet of wooden floors salvaged from the demolished Skateland building. Plans for office space and retail business are also included. Brady hopes the project inspires others to dream big. It's kind of that tombstone test, and you've heard about that. You know, what do you want them to remember you for? Even if they remember me for the crazy lady that took on all these crazy products, I think that's okay because if you, you know, you leave a footprint here in, in your hometown, what a great, a great thing to do. Barbara Bartles is governor of Rotary International District 5650, covering a good portion of eastern Nebraska and western Iowa. Bartles tells KMA News she was impressed with all the activities happening in Shenandoah. She says Shenandoah is on the move and Rotary wants to be on the move with it. Economic development efforts in Hamburg received Lieutenant Governor Adam Gregg's attention Monday afternoon. As part of his and Governor Kim Reynolds' annual 99-county tour, Gregg paid a visit to the Manildra Milling Corporation location in Hamburg before sending off a group of veterans on an honor flight in Council Bluffs Monday. During the visit to Hamburg, Gregg tells KMA News he received an overview of the operation, which highlights value-added agriculture with further processing wheat and flour into other food ingredients. For example, he says one product could eliminate the need for a heat source when making pudding. To get it to, to sit up uh, and have that pudding consistency rather than a liquid consistency, it usually takes heat uh, in that cooking process. Well, 
with the ingredients that they develop there, it does not require heat to get pudding ingredients uh, to, to have that, uh, that consistency. Uh, and so if you think about a company that's making pudding products at a commercial scale, if they don't need to add heat, a heat element to that, that's a pretty big deal, and that becomes a very valuable ingredient. Well, value-added agriculture in Iowa is typically associated with processing corn or soybeans. Greg says the wheat and flour-based operation at Manildra provides a unique opportunity to bring products from surrounding states and provide Iowans jobs. We don't grow a lot of wheat here, so a lot of the wheat that they process at Manildra comes from other places, Canada, some of the what you might consider the plain states are, are the sources of that. But the fact that that gets brought here and uh, they have jobs that are dedicated to further refining the flour that's made from that wheat that's grown in other places, what it means is opportunities for Iowans to be able to have uh, manufacturing jobs here in our state. Greg adds the plant's outputs also contribute to higher protein bread and other high-protein gluten products. Hamburg was also one of several communities in western Iowa hit dramatically by the flooding along the Missouri River in 2019. Greg says Minoldra was not immune to the extreme flooding. On their campus there, their office structure, they said, was under about 10 feet of water. Many parts of their plant was under about 4 feet of water. So obviously that was a huge impact to their business. They were uh, not producing for about nine months as they cleaned out and and got the plant back to uh, food-grade approvals and, and all of those things from regulators. However, recent developments with a nearby levy, Greg says, have prompted further investments from the global company in Fremont County, an indicator, he says, of a positive direction in the community. Mills County officials are exploring the utilization of county-owned property. After the Missouri River flooding of 2019, the Mills County Board of Supervisors utilized a voluntary buyout program of residential properties through the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which provided funds to acquire land with homes that received extensive flood damage beyond repair. As a result, Mills County Auditor Carol Robertson told KMA News the county acquired over 70 parcels. Supervisor Richard Crouch told us the board revisited the discussion Tuesday morning after some of the adjacent landowners began wondering what could be done with the properties. We've been sitting around kind of waiting for the government to give us our final okay and stuff. And you know how how well or how fast the wheels of government turn and we're still waiting on some definite answers. We can. We're going to try and go ahead and get some of them out in out to the public. We're going to probably put something in the paper or on uh, county website and stuff. You know what's available and what we're looking for. Robertson says the county has officially purchased one of the parcels for economic development, and the county conservation department acquired three to develop into wetlands. Crouch says the county offered the buyout program in hopes of easing the financial burden in those hit worse by floodwaters within the floodplain. We had their properties appraised, uh, you know, I had to have that done, and then we had to go through the process of paying them out. And there was also a process in there where if you remained in Mills County, you could get $31,000 payment to... uh, stay in Mills County. However, due to the properties being acquired through the federal relief program, Crouch says there are still limits in what the county can do with the parcels. A reminder, KMA News presents a special candidates forum Sunday night at 6, featuring the candidates running in Iowa's third congressional district race. Democrat incumbent Cindy Axney and Republican challenger Zach Nunn, live from the KMA studios in Shenandoah. You can hear the forum Sunday night at 6 on KMA AM 960 with live stream video at KMALand.com. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.